Welcome to That's Animal, the podcast where kids learn about some of the most extraordinary animals on our planet. I'm Brendan Walsh. I'm a zookeeper in Dublin Zoo. Over the course of this six-part series, we'll meet the intrepid kids who have visited Dublin Zoo to learn all about Asian elephants, red pandas, western lowland gorillas, two-toed sloats, scimitar-horned oryx, and even dinosaurs. We'll introduce you to some amazing animal facts. Amazing animal facts. Ask you to guess that animal sound. What's that animal? And find out how well you know your animals. In episode 5, Sive and Rosa are taking a trip to the African savanna habitat in Dublin Zoo to visit an antelope species called the scimitar horned oryx. That's animals. Scimitar horned oryx. So we're entering the African plains now. I'll open up the gate. The gate is locked because the zoo is closed and the zoo is divided into four main sections for the staff. The east section, the west section, the elephant section and the African plains. We're going to the African plains now. The idea was that a lot of the animals that moved to the African plains came from the original main site of the zoo. So we took um, over what, about 35 acres of land from Oris and Uteron and they, the president, Mary Robinson and Mary McAleese, were kind enough to hand it over to us. So that meant a huge difference to us. It meant we could move our hippos, our rhinos, our chimpanzees, our giraffe. You know, the list goes on. So that, that freed up a lot of space in the main zoo then. So when we built the African Plains, a huge amount of animals left the main body of the zoo. And then it meant then we could, we could carry on and, um, and create new spaces in the main zoo as well. So every year um, for the last about 25 years, we've been um, creating new areas for animals to live. And, you know, this is why the zoo is looking as good as it is nowadays. They're the, our giraffes and our scimitar horned oryx. And they're beautiful. So we're going to be meeting Susan and she's going to talk to us about them. So they're from like arid regions and dry regions and, and uh, savannah regions of sub Saharan Africa. What's a savannah? Well, a savannah is essentially like a, a grassland with a few trees in it, but mostly grass. If you've seen the movie The Lion King, you've seen uh, what looks like a savannah. Um, so it's a, it's a natural, basically, lots of grass a few trees and lots of animals like lions, zebra, wildebeest, warthog, animals like that live in, in big numbers. Thank you for answering the question. <laughs> You're very welcome. Hi, uh, so I'm Susan O'Brien. I'm a keeper here at Dublin Zoo and I look after the scimitar horned oryx. So our scimitar horned oryx, we have a herd here of 11 animals. So we have five males and six females. So they're an antelope species. They're, they're quite a big antelope species and they have this really, really distinctive set of horns on them, which looks like a scimitar. And this is where they get the name from. So they're kind of a white, uh, basically a white coloured animal with uh, patches of kind of brownie red around their neck and rumps. And this is actually some of the ways we tell them apart as well. We can see they have little variations and we can say, oh, that, that's dark brown rump or light brown rump or, you know, with, with the colours as well. But these guys would have, they reckon historically, Egyptians would have kept them as pets and they used to bind their horns together to make it into one big giant horn so they'd kind of grow together. And they reckon that's where uh, the story of the unicorn came from. So, and again, you can kind of see it there side on. You could quite easily see how it could look like a unicorn. So I think that's a really interesting uh, little fact to them there. They're great. So these guys, you'd find them kind of sub-Sahara around the, the outside of the Sahara Desert. So they don't actually live in the desert. They're not adapted to that, but they do live on the outside. So there'd be little bits of vegetation, uh, plants, grasses, trees that they can actually survive on uh, in these areas. So they're very, very well adapted to living in a kind of dry arid environment so you'd find they have very big 
kind of heavy broad hoofs so if you imagine them walking on sand these spread out and they stop them uh, kind of sinking and stand the the white coats also have protection because it reflects the sunlight so they don't overheat too much and if you were to shave an oryx their skin is actually black underneath and again that keeps heat as well so at night time of course in the desert it can get very cold so they need to be able to uh, keep heat there as well they also have it's like a pair of internal sunglasses nearly so they've like a little dark stripe on their eye and this stops did you ever see a rugby player or a, you know an american football player they have the black stripes on their face and that's to stop the glare of the sun so you imagine the sun bouncing back up off a of white sand it can be very glary so with these like internal sunglasses it stops them uh, getting glare and they can see really really well for uh, quite a, a long distance as well why do they look like mountain goats because i thought they would be tiny rabbits with really with longer ears than rabbits already do have they would be similar in that they're in the same kind of family so yeah all uh, animals like this we call them ungulates so you have even-toed animals and odd-toed animals so if you look at the giraffes at goats at oryx at cows at sheep and um, they have two toes so their feet are split you'll see their hooves are, are actually split uh, and then the odd-toed animals are your horses your rhinos, your tapirs, your zebras, and they have one toe or three toes, and that's how they kind of split them up. So they would have very similar uh, adaptations to uh, as a goat or, or a cow. So very good question. What's that animal? Now it's time for What's That Animal? We're going to play the sound of an animal recorded in Dublin Zoo. See if you can guess which animal it is. <laughs> Did you make a guess? Find out if you were right later in the episode. What do they eat? So scimitar horned arcs, they're antelopes. These guys would eat a lot of kind of grass and shoots and, and browse. So like browse would be branches off trees or leaves off trees. In the wild, they'd also eat a fruit called the wild melon, which is, uh, we wouldn't like to eat it, it'd be very bitter tasting, but it has a lot of moisture in it because these guys actually don't drink water very often at all. You'd hardly ever see them drinking water and they can actually go for 10 months to a year without drinking any water, which is incredible for any mammal species. So they basically get all the moisture they need from uh, their food. So any grasses or leaves are again, the, these wild melons that they can see. They have amazing adaptations for being able to like get any bit of moisture or nutrition from such a low energy kind of diet so one of the reasons these guys migrate is so they can search for food because they have to eat quite a large amount of food to maintain you know their basic out needs or uh, outgoings every day but they'd also eat a lot of food like cassia which uh, you'd see giraffes eating as well and there'd be different uh, pods uh, when the mothers give birth in particular with their calves, they need a very a lot of energy to produce um, all that really healthy um, milk for the calves. And they'd go out of their way to try and find these acacia uh, leaves and pods and stuff to, to get that moisture and the energy into them. How has their habitat changed in the last 20 years? With these guys, uh, they've been on the earth for thousands of years and they used to roam all over um, kind of sub-Saharan, the North um, Sahara Desert and the Southern, just on the outside areas there, they, they would have roamed everywhere. So there was no real kind of competition. 
But then uh, when people kind of appeared and came aboard, they started uh, farming and raising their own animals, their own kind of livestock. So this is in direct competition then to the, the, the grass that there isn't very much of in the first place. Direct competition then for our friends then um, in the wild as well. In the last couple of years as well, that we've seen a lot of problems with climate change as well. So um, you may have heard of desertification. Basically, it's a process where the, the land itself has changed. So if you imagine um, maybe a farmer comes in and cuts down a load of trees or the slash and burn kind of farming and then they can plant their own grazing crops for their own uh, livestock. This actually dries out the area so eventually all the minerals and stuff will be depleted from the ground and it will just turn to desert. Amazing animal facts! Of all the animals that have ever lived on the land of planet Earth, the dinosaur Tyrannosaurus rex had the strongest bite. Amazing animal facts! Who are the main personalities in the group? Ooh, well, we actually have a lovely female. You can see her from here. She, and she came to us from Photo White Lock Park down in County Cork, would you believe us? And so she is our, our breeding, our dominant female in the group. And she is a very feisty female. She's always one we have to watch. You'll always see her. She's always first out the door in the morning. She's always coming over to check you out and what are you doing and what food have you got for me? But she can also be quite a dominant personality as well. So again with any kind of an area where you're keeping multiple animals together you have to make sure you have enough resources for each animal so because Fota is such a dominant animal we don't want her guarding resources from uh, other you know more submissive animals so again you'd make sure you had loads of different feeding areas for them or, or feeding resources available or you know places where they can get away from each other or shelter or get water uh, so that's really important but Fota there definitely is our uh, most I, I, I'm trying to give it a really nice way to describe her charismatic uh, <laughs> female. Yeah, yeah, she's definitely one to watch. Animal. How many arcs are left in the wild? Ooh, well, these guys are interesting, actually. Um, there were, originally, there would have been thousands of these animals, and then again, they ran into all these different issues. So at the moment, they are classed as extinct in the wild. So back in the 80s, that the last orcs would have been um, killed, they would have been hunted um, to extinction. So if you imagine people would have been hunting these guys with maybe bows and arrows, or it would have been very small, you know, just enough to feed their family. But then it kind of turned a bit commercial, and people got these high-powered rifles. They have jeeps they can drive around in and chase animals down. So very, very quickly, the, the uh, wild population was just depleted, and they actually went extinct. But luckily for zoos, there was a good number of these guys in zoos uh, globally around the world. And in the 80s in Tunisia, they set up the first, one of the first kind of national parks there that they deemed it was safe area. It had to be suitable, obviously, to put oryx into. You have to make sure there's enough resources. Are the same issues going to happen again if you just plunk them in? So there's a lot of kind of background work that goes into reintroducing an animal. But a few um, oryx went in from different zoos in America and in uh, Europe as well, the UK as, as well. And we actually, there's an animal from Ireland has gone back to the wild in Tunisia, which is, which is incredible incredible which is great there's about 600 in the wild and they're actually breeding there again so there is uh, reintroduced animals have gone back bred together and now they're producing wild uh, oryx which is just fantastic news it really really is brilliant and then in zoos then we still manage about 1500 globally in all the different zoos so again it's a very it'd be a well managed kind of genetic safety net there you have i suppose and we can use these animals to reintroduce into the future or again say for example we wanted to introduce new genetic material into a wild population we have a lovely little safety net here within the global zoo population which is again it was essential to these guys that's why we're seeing them today if there was no zoos there would simply be no scimitar horned arcs and 
you know, so zoos can do a lot of good. Which is false? Guess which of the following is not true. The era of the Tyrannosaurus Rex is closer in time to present day than it is to the time the Stegosaurus lived on planet Earth. Or reticulated pythons can grow as long as 20 meters. And the answer is reticulated pythons don't grow to 20 meters. However, they are the longest snakes and can grow up to 10 meters, which is about the length of a school bus. What do oryx use their horns for? Basically, it is for protection. They'd use them to defend, especially if the, the males would be jousting with each other to, you know, maybe get control of a harem of females. Females would also use them if they're protecting their calves from uh, maybe a, a predator that was trying to take a, a, a baby calf. Uh, and we see them here sometimes. They, they'll drop their heads right down low and you just see it like a spear. <laughs> so it's, it's quite formidable. You, you definitely wouldn't want to mess with them. Tell us about the poo. They do a lot of poo. And I know this because I have to pick it up every day. So a lot of poo. And these guys actually, they're funny again with these adaptations to the, to the hot weather and the arid uh, you know, land that they live in. Their poo is really, really dry. Uh, so again, they don't have much moisture going through. But we say it kind of looks like Maltesers. If, yeah, you probably never eat a Malteser again after this, but loads of little kind of Malteser sized little um, pellets and they poo, um, they do poo quite a lot. Uh, and again, because the food they're eating isn't very um, nutritious, they eat a lot of it. But then the other side of that is they poo a lot of it as well. Uh, also, the urine would be very, uh, very heavily concentrated as well because they want to reduce the amount of moisture that's leaving their body. So it will be quite uh, moisture. So the house can be quite whiffy uh, sometimes if you have to go in and, and uh, clean them out. What does the Oryx house smell like? Well, <laughs> it smells, it can be a bit whiffy. I think all the keepers are so used to being in there every single day. You don't, um, you don't notice it too much, but it'd be real. You can get like a real strong ammonia kind of smell. Uh, just like, whew, it would take your breath away sometimes. And the, the poo actually doesn't smell at all, really. You, you wouldn't really smell the poo. What's that animal? Earlier in the episode, we played you the sound of an animal recorded in Dublin Zoo. And we asked you to guess which animal it was. Here it is again. Well, did you make a guess? That was the sound of an Asian lion roaring in Dublin Zoo. If you said lion, you are correct. Or another big cat will give it to you anyway. What's it like looking after the animal? Oh, I love it. It's, it's, uh, I love looking after these guys. They're, as they, they all have the little personalities and it's just really nice to know that we're doing something that is helping. Just because we're in the zoo here in Dublin and Ireland, we're still doing something to help these animals in the wild. And, and to me, that's just, you know, it's, it's just priceless. It's a, a great feeling every day to think, yeah, you're making a, a difference to conservation globally with the, this, this species. And it's such a privilege to think these animals are extinct in the wild and that we get to come in and work them every day. It's, it's just fantastic. Yeah, we're very lucky. Thank you very much. No problem, you're very welcome. <laughs> That's it for episode five of That's Animal. Join us next time where we will learn all about the dinosaurs. And remember, you can catch up on the series on the RT Junior app or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Animal is written and presented by me, Brendan Walsh, and produced by Paul Lochran. Executive producer and musical team 
is Nikki Coughlin. A big thanks to the intrepid explorers on this episode, Sive and Rosa Marshall Coughlin. Thanks to Susan O'Brien for talking to us about Scimitar Horned Oryx. Thanks to all the team in Dublin Zoo for the support in making this podcast. See you next time. Bye.